0: They are two of the most beloved novels ever written Alice's Adventure in Wonderland and its sequel, Through the Looking Glass. Well, there's this profound scene in the second book where Alice, who is the little girl hero of the story, enters this wildly imaginative world and she meets a character called the Red Queen. Well, the Red Queen is quite overbearing, and she has an interesting way and logic of seeing the world. In this one particular scene, Alice finds herself running hand-in-hand hand with the Queen. And they're running so fast that Alice can hardly keep up, and she tries her best to speed up, but she can't. They're running so fast that the Queen keeps saying, faster, faster, faster. But what confuses Alice even more is that the world around them seems to be staying the same, despite how fast that they're running. And she asks the queen, how is this possible? Do the things around us move with us? Well, the queen ignores her question, and all she says is, faster, don't try to talk. And so Alice puts all of her energy into running as fast as she possibly can. And after a few minutes, the queen finally says, Okay, you can stop and rest a little bit now. Well, Alice is feeling dizzy from all of this running around, and she looks around her trying to figure out what's going on. And she finally says, We've been under this tree the entire time. Everything's just as it was. Queen says, Of course it is. What were you expecting? To which a very confused Alice re- replies, well, in our world, if one runs fast for a long time, you would reach a different location. Queen says, what a slow sort of country you live in. Here, you see, it takes all of the running you can do to remain in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. Well, we can perhaps... Snicker at how illogical the Queen's response is until we stop and think about it just for a little bit longer and realize maybe she's onto something. Maybe she's perfectly describing how so many of us often live our lives today. We're continuing with our series called Encounters with Jesus where we're looking at some stories and and conversations that Jesus had with people, people from all different backgrounds and experiences, people with different questions and needs. And yet each of them left that encounter with Jesus being changed in some way. While the stories may be unique in their details, each person experienced Jesus' love and kindness in an incredible way that impacted them in the situation and moment that they found themselves in. And I've said this in my previous messages, but it also means that Jesus can meet us. Jesus can meet you in the situation, a moment that you find yourself in, your own story, which is incredibly good news. Well, this morning, we're going to look at the story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. This particular story is only a few verses long, and yet it's an important one. And there are lessons that we can take from their story that we can bring into our own lives. Mary and Martha are well-known characters in the Bible. Along with their brother Lazarus, they were some of Jesus' closest friends. Their home was a place where Jesus would often come to rest, to relax. A place where he could kick off his sandals and relax. I'm sure many conversations happened around their table, laughing and teasing each other, as good friends would tend to do. But perhaps also a lot of deep, raw conversations. Perhaps tears, as they would talk into the night and share their lives and their stories together. We're going to pick up the story from Luke chapter 10. It says, As Jesus continued on his journey, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she came to him and said, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken from her. It's a familiar story for many of us, and at first glance, perhaps the point of the story seems quite obvious. There are two types of people and responses here. The first is about action, and the second one is about contemplation. And while they're not mutually exclusive, it seems like one response is preferred over the other. Martha is a person of action, of hospitality, of service. She's detailed. She's organized. She wants to make Jesus feel as comfortable and as well-fed as possible. She's got lots of things to do. She's busy. She's running around as fast as she can, only to discover she's really not getting anywhere or getting done what needs to get done. Perhaps a bit like Alice, she realizes she's probably going to have to go at twice the speed in order to get everything onto the table in time. She needs help. A lot of it. And she has just the solution. Mary, her sister, who should be helping in the kitchen... Isn't because Mary is hanging out with Jesus in the living room. And as echoes of laughter and conversation start to waft into the kitchen, Martha is getting madder and madder. Like those cartoons, if you remember growing up, where the character turns red and then you can see that steam starting to build up inside and then that smoke starts coming out of the ears. You know the eruption is about to happen. Martha storms into the living room. She complains to Jesus that Mary should be helping her. She's saying, it's not fair. We have this meal to get ready for. I have all this stuff to do. Nice that Mary gets to sit, hang out, have conversation, have fun. while I've got all of this work to do. And then Jesus says to her, Martha, it's okay. All of this work, all of this meal preparation doesn't have to get done. You need to be more like Mary. Your response should be more like hers. So put down your cooking utensils and your need for action and for busyness and instead become more like Mary, become more contemplative, more reflective. Sit and listen, because that's better and you'll feel better and it's the way it's supposed to be. That's kind of how we read the story, isn't it? And for the record, I don't think it's wrong. I think those elements and practices are important and we should pay attention to them. But I think there's more that's going on in the story here than just that first glance interpretation because I think that's where the Jesus encounter really happens. And so let's rewind the story one more time. Jesus arrives at Martha and Mary's house and Martha's first thoughts and actions are to make sure Jesus is taken care of, to make sure he's fed, that he's comfortable and resting and feels at home in her home. It goes without saying that Jesus is not against hospitality, or against service, or against generosity towards others, or against making people feel welcome and at home. In fact, so much of Jesus' own ministry is centered around those very things. He loved going to parties and hanging out with people. He also embraced the care and the hospitality that many people showed towards him. So this story isn't an indictment against Martha's hospitality or her giftings. It doesn't question her desire to be generous, to open up her home, to prepare a meal for Jesus. This story isn't an indictment against acts of service, or action, or that those things aren't important when you compare them to contemplation, or just sitting quietly in Jesus' presence. And so this isn't an either-or scenario, where somehow you're maybe not as good of a Christian if you're more of a person of action, versus someone who likes to sit listening to worship music or worshiping in a church service. It wasn't what she was doing that needed changing. It was how she was doing it that needed some change, how she was living in that particular moment and time. The story says that Martha was distracted about many things. The word that's used here isn't A word that's used to describe distraction about immediate things. Like, how many pots do I have going on the stove right now? Or how many place settings do I need at the table? Rather, it's an ongoing state. The word's connected to our own English word perimeter, which is super interesting. Which means, when you think about it, perimeter is going around in a circle. Going around the edges. Same thing over and over and over again. Going in circles, running fast, but not going anywhere. Later on, Jesus says to her, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And again, super interesting word. It literally means to be divided or to be pulled apart into many pieces. This is more than some stress about getting a meal onto the table, which is really not the point of the story at all. Instead, Martha is living in a way that is pulling her apart, that is breaking her apart from the inside out. It's tearing away at her. It is causing her to be in this endless loop of worry and stress and panic and everything else that you can think of. She's being pulled apart by so many things. Her own expectations. Her own pressures that she's put on herself. Perhaps the expectations of others that she is allowed to come over her. Maybe there's some guilt about not getting things done or that things aren't as they should be. And so she's being pulled apart by this franticness, this busyness, this pace that she's running at that doesn't allow her to pause, to rest, to be in the moment. And it's causing her to feel distracted and worried and running in endless circles. Like Alice, it must have been so disorienting for her to be moving so fast, and then to discover you really haven't moved at all. So when we dig a little, dip, a little deeper into the story, it's clear that Martha is feeling this huge weight of anxiety and pressures that are breaking her inside, that are not allowing her to experience the joy, the fulfillment that Jesus has for her. It's really the opposite of what Jesus is about, isn't it? Runs counter to his invitation to rest, to slow down to be present, to be made whole. I love how Eugene Peterson translates Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Such a great line. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. When we're in a place where life is pulling us apart, we begin to lose sight of what is most important, of who is most important. When we live distracted or are living with the weight of worry, or we're running at this unsustainable pace, it not only begins to tear us apart, but it also begins to impact those people around us. It can cause stress in others. It can disconnect us from all sorts of relationships, whether that's your spouse, your roommate, your classmate, a coworker, a friend, a parent, a spouse, a child. It can impact our physical our emotional, our mental, our psychological health. Larry Dossie, who is a medical doctor, created the term time sickness to describe this belief that time is getting away, that there isn't enough of it, and that you must pedal faster and faster in order to keep up with it. Also can impact our spiritual health because we haven't slowed down enough to hear Jesus' voice or to be with him. And so, what Martha is going through is a very relevant experience, especially for us today, even here at UBC. UBC is an amazing place to be. There's no doubt about it. This incredible environment to be in, to study, to get an education. It's amazing. But there is also a shadow side to it. And it's not a secret that so much of the culture and expectation here is about output. And production, and goals, and projects, and busyness. And there's a ton of stress and worry that so many as students or faculty are carrying. And then there's just life that happens that causes all sorts of pressures and fears and worries. And it's super easy to get stuck in that place and in that loop. I know that loop really, really well. And I'll be the first to say I don't have this figured out, I'm still learning. Still trying to figure this out. It's, if I'm completely honest, it's probably the number one thing I've struggled with the most as a Christian. Where I've put this insane pressure on myself to be the best Christian I can be or the most productive or the busiest or I want to get things done for Jesus because I think that's what's most important. I remember when Michelle was pregnant with her daughter Katie. It was Christmas time and we were so exhausted and burned out. And so we decided to look at our calendar to figure out and see if we can figure out the reason why. And it didn't take long. In the previous three and a half months to that, which is about 110 days, we looked at the calendar and discovered that we had been out 85 evenings in addition to our regular you know, uh, work schedule. 85 additional evenings, which was a lot. And then we dug deeper and realized that 80 out of those 85 nights were directly related to church events and church meetings, which was horrifying to see it in black and white. And we knew that something was seriously wrong and that things needed to change. It wasn't that the things we were doing was bad or not worthwhile. It's that we were running at such an unsustainable, unhealthy, insane pace, doing things that we thought were important for others and for Jesus. And it ended up pulling us apart, drained, exhausted, to a level we had never experienced before. It was a wake-up call for us that even in our desire to serve and to help, we had taken upon ourselves a weight of expectations and pressures and a pace that wasn't ours to carry or to hold and it impacted us, and not in a good way. Getting things done for Jesus had become more important for our choices and our priorities and our actions. And what I failed to see at the time was this beautiful invitation that Jesus gives to Martha to slow down, to pause, to breathe, to simply be with him. Seems so obvious, doesn't it? And yet, how often do we miss it because we're going too fast or we're carrying too much? And so we end up being pulled apart and distracted and carrying all sorts of anxieties and pressures because of it. Dallas Willard, who is the well-known writer on The Spiritual Life, said that the great enemy of spiritual life in our day is hurry, busyness. And he urged us as followers of Jesus to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives, to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Martin Luther was the father of the Protestant Reformation, and he was asked one day what his plans were for the day. Here's what he famously said. I have so much work to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I'm extra busy today. So I need to make sure that my focus, my priority is about slowing down and spending that time with Jesus because everything else will take care of itself after that. So, you would think that after all of these years, I would have it figured out by now. Well, last week as I began to prepare to write this message. I could feel the pressure and the anxiety starting to build. I knew my timeline for writing was short. I could feel things building up inside and realizing I really need to sit down and to get this sermon done. I knew I was experiencing a Martha-type moment. It was at that moment that I got a Facebook notification from my friends at Arrow Leadership inviting me in 10 minutes from then to join them for something called PAUSE. And here's the actual invite. Pause to get a break from the busyness. Pause to be encouraged by brothers and sisters. Pause to reflect on God's word. Pause to be in safe harbor with other leaders. Pause to know that he is good and his love endures forever. Amazing, right? How is that for timing? This is exactly what I need right now. An opportunity to pause, to be with Jesus, to let all of the anxieties, all of the pressures go off to the side for a moment or two. And so I took that invite and I walked down to my office and said, I'm too busy right now. I really have to go start writing my sermon on Mary and Martha. Martin Luther said, I'm extra busy today. So I'm going to go spend three hours with Jesus. Anthony Yackel said, I'm extra busy today, so I'm going to go get my stuff done. (laughs) You can feel free to quote that later if you want. The irony is not lost on me here, my friends, because I am still struggling. I'm still trying to learn how to slow down and to be in those moments. And somehow we need to break that loop If we're going to experience the abundance and the fullness of the life that Jesus has for us. Jesus gently points Martha towards that invitation. And he says to her, Martha, you are carrying something that doesn't need to be carried. And it's breaking you from the inside out. You're carrying all these pieces of worry and stress and busyness. And that's not what following me is about. And without condemnation or shame, Jesus invites her to make a different choice. Like Mary. He says Mary has chosen the good part. She's made a decision to simply be in Jesus' presence to allow her focus, her life to be centered around him. And that experience and moment can't be taken away from her. Mary's not running in circles. She's actually moving in a different direction. Direction towards Jesus and with Jesus. Cornelius Platenga is an American theologian, and he talks about this idea of shalom, which is this biblical word that describes life as flourishing and wholeness and delight. It's, it's, it's this relationship between God and people. And he says, shalom is the way that things ought to be. When shalom is not happening, It causes disruption and brokenness and upheaval. I think both of those realities are at play here in this story. Martha is living in a way that has broken her life into these unsustainable, non-flourishing pieces. Mary is leaning into a way of life that is bringing her into wholeness and togetherness. This story is a story about what we do with all the different pieces in our lives? Are we living in a way that is pulling us apart? Or are we living in a way that brings those pieces together? I want you to hold that question. Are we living in a way that is pulling us apart? Or are we living in a way where we are being put back together? The reality is we all carry all sorts of pieces in our lives all parts of our lives, what are we doing with them? Are we trying to run through life as fast, as quickly as possible, trying to accomplish as much as we can in spite of the weight that it's producing in us? Or are we choosing to go a different way, like Mary, to slow down, to pause, to allow a moment or two with Jesus to change the trajectory and the path of our lives? I'm not suggesting that we sit around 24 hours a day listening to worship music or reading our Bible for eight hours at a stretch or meditating every single moment. It's not what it's about. But what if we made some intentional decisions throughout our day to pause, to let our minds and our hearts be recentered on Jesus and to enjoy the gift of that moment as it is and as we are. What if we started there? What if we started there? Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who ended up founding the Methodist Church. Actually, she was the mother of 10 children. So you can imagine how busy and noisy their home was. But here's what she did. At a certain point in the day, she would pull out the kitchen chair, and she would sit down And then she would take her apron and she would throw it over her head like a tent. And she would take some time out of her day to be with Jesus. Even in the midst of an incredibly busy schedule with lots of responsibilities. And you know what? All of her kids from the oldest to the youngest knew when you saw that apron over mom's head, you knew she was with Jesus. Well, that intentional pause to recenter her day, to recenter her life on Jesus, not only changed Susanna's life, but those of her children and ultimately the thousands of others who would be impacted by the ministry of John and Charles Wesley. A few minutes with Jesus in the kitchen kept her life together. It brought all of those pieces in her life back into place as they ought to be. C.S. Lewis famously said, the moment you wake up each morning, all of your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back, in listening to that other voice, letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. Are we living in a way that is pulling our life apart? Or are we living in a way where we are being put back together? I wanna to lead us into just a moment of silence. And feel free to close your eyes, to take a couple deep breaths. Maybe it's been a while since you've allowed your thoughts, your heart to be recentered on Jesus. And just for 30 seconds here, allow your thoughts and your heart and your life to come back to Jesus. May you and I begin to take new steps towards Jesus this week. Choosing to pause, to rest, to simply be in his presence. May we let go of the pressures and worries and anxieties that we are carrying and holding on to. And may we allow those pieces to be brought to Jesus. Allowing him to put them together into a life that is flourishing and whole and full of his presence in life. May it be so.